episode 44 of Strange Brow Radio. I'm your host, Tobe Johnson. Thank you again for listening to this transmission. Today's guest, we have a blogger, and she's got quite a story, Jolie Bergman, and the blog Horror Habit. You can find that at Blogger. I think it's probably Horror Habit at blogspot.com. We'll get into more about Jolie and her blog, but she's lived some pretty crazy places and she's got some stories. Her whole family does. So Jolie, up next. But first, thank you to our sponsor, Feral by Aaron at Etsy.com, E-R-Y-N. These alchemy sound tools, that's the name we're using these days. Alchemy sound devices. You can find those at Feral by Aaron, E-R-Y-N. And man, she makes a drum, she sells a drum. She makes a drum, she sells a drum. She makes a drum, she sells a drum. I guess it's that time of year. Check out Feral by Aaron at Etsy.com. Okay, next up, Jolie Bergman. We'll be right back. Horror Habit, a blog by Jolie Bergman. She's more than a blogger, though. She's lived a really paranormal life. And she's probably a sensitive. I could tell that. Her father, her ex-husband, her brother, they've all grown up with the supernatural around them. And Jolie's lived in some incredibly haunted areas. So the first half of the interview is dedicated to Jolie's experience dealing with this since a child up to currently... And so we talk at great length about that. But while we're talking, I must tell you that during the interview, there is a little bit of a technical issue. And the issue is this, is that my microphone came undone, unbeknownst to me. So most of this interview is done through a secondary source. Let's put it that way. The laptop microphone, in other words. So luckily, Jolie had a lot to say. And uh, her audio was good. Mine, mm, yeah. So we'll march on through this here and double check our inputs next time. So with that said, let's uh, get into the interview here with our guest of Horror Habit, a blog by Jolie Bergman. All right, I'm on the phone right now with Jolie Bergman out of Seattle, Washington. She has the blog Horror Habit, and we've come to talk to her today about well, not all things horror-related, but just about the underbelly related to the horror, the supernatural, and her experience with it. Hello, Jolie. Hello, Toby. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi, everyone. Yeah, it's good to have you yeah. here yeah. to talk to us. So, Jolie, I, uh, I got a referral from... Uh, someone uh, regarding your name and your blog and reached out to you about what you do and um, but before we get into the horror habit and its blog and how you got there tell us about uh, growing up and where you grew up and how you got interested in the supernatural and paranormal yeah um, yeah so I actually I grew up in South Dakota a small town that is uh, quite literally hundreds of miles in every direction from a um, city square. And uh, my first paranormal experiences kind of began there. First kind of memories were of uh, 
the shuffling sound of somebody walking on carpet. And I was very young, very young, kind of like five. And then I don't have memories of this, but my mom said that I would complain about people like poking me in my sleep at night. I don't remember this. But in the paranormal has kind of been a little bit of the family, in the family for a while kind of experiences. And then just kind of grew up with those. And then also another family bonding thing is horror films. We all love them. And so, you know, about 2012, let's see, I think it was 2012, I start, I decided to log um, how many horror films I've seen because I'm also a big database nerd. And that's kind of how Horror Habit began. And uh, it has since blossomed into, let's see, a database for um, public domain films kind of curated and that also that then blossomed into uh my horror habit roku channel for all you roku listeners i have a a movie channel as well on my blog since i'm also such a paranormal fan i have my paranormal directory where i give advice or like i um i consume paranormal documentaries and tv shows like food so that's a place where i keep track of what i've seen and yeah, just throughout all the years, I've had a slew of, so not only do I love horror films, um, but I've had a slew of paranormal experiences and had a brief time in a paranormal group um, out here in Washington. And yeah, I guess I can elaborate more on that, <laughs> of all, so, these, all these experiences. Yeah, before you elaborate, make um, your audio's shorting out just a bit here and you're probably on a mm. cell phone um if you can yes. see it maybe if you're near something that might be causing interference it was good for a little bit and then it just kind of was clipping okay in and out so okay. i'm not quite sure what that would be i think because i picked a different place to sit before we <laughs> talked earlier so now i'll go i'll go back to where i was before so <laughs> all right go back um, to I where hope, you were hope, come on julie <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. i hope this is better yeah, let's try it from there. Okay, so you mentioned okay. growing up in, uh, did you grow up, you said you grew up in a small town? Yep, yep, small town. But, it, you know, we were, the, um, we, were, we were the metropolis for the area. We had three stoplights. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Three stoplights, three whole stoplights. <laughs> and then growing up in a small town, uh, how long did you say you lived there? Um, I have to, well... And my parents split, so I spent a little bit of time in Seattle during my middle school years, but pretty much through elementary school and high school. Okay. And, and I, yeah. any of the houses that you stayed in, do you, looking back, do you look at any of those houses as being haunted? Yeah. Yes. Actually, kind of, um, I honestly believe the land that our house sits on is still currently haunted. But uh, the first kind of haunted house experience that I recall is when my parents separated and my father moved into town because we lived out of town and even I was like nine years old and I knew something wasn't quite right with the house gave me gave me the willies and uh, dad was really quiet about what would happen there um, when he lived there but it didn't surprise me when he moved out what was going on he would sit in the living room and like watching TV on his his lazy boy and out of the corner of his eye he'd see a woman an older woman with a bun in her hair uh, walk out of his bedroom carrying like a load of laundry and head straight to the basement and walk in like go to the basement he said she would float though and he would see her like 
very, very regularly, but only out of the corner of his eye. And then one night he said that she came by and like touched him on the shoulder when he was in bed. And he said it just felt like a kitten's paw. That's how he described it. And I would be so fascinated hearing my dad tell this story. I just, I'm like, tell me the story about the old woman who haunted your house, dad. <clears throat> and then I, I told one of my friends in, uh, <clears throat> let's see, I was nine, like fifth grade or something. And she says, do you, you know, do you remember so-and-so? And I remember this kid from probably like third grade who only been in town for a year. And she's like, he, he used to live in that house. And I'm like, oh yeah. And uh, she's, she's like, he tripped on the basement stairs and the basement in this house was extremely scary, but he tripped on the stairs and he apparently was going to fall, but something kept him from falling as if somebody pushed him back up. And that was, uh, I'm like, oh, this little lady's just kind of, kind of a sweet little old lady haunting the house. And so, um, yeah, so this, like those stories, you know, like I think I mentioned earlier, uh, the paranormal is just kind of part of our family. Like we talk about it as, you know, as a normal thing, a normal process. And that was just one of, one of dad's stories. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, so, so your dad would speak openly to you about this because you'd ask him. So initially you found out about the details there. How young were you when you found out that, that uh, your dad saw ghosts? Um, probably, yeah, eight or nine, right around there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he would talk openly, and he was pretty, he was just matter-of-fact about it. And my whole, his siblings, uh, mm -hmm. my whole father's side of the family talk very matter-of-factly about mm -hmm. the paranormal. And we've all kind of, we've all had experiences, quite a few of them. Did it frighten you? Oh, Not really, because they weren't frightened. You know, mm -hmm. at that age, and nothing like super scary had happened. I recall overhearing. <clears throat> so my dad's family were all from South Dakota, and uh, we were visiting my grandma and grandpa and my uh, cousins and aunts. And I overheard my aunts and uncle and my dad, well, kind of talking about a house that my aunts and uncle moved in, a new one. And uh, they said whenever they would start arguing, or at least one time. When they started arguing uh, in the kitchen, knives flew out of their holders onto the kitchen countertop. And they were very hush-hush about this because they were kind of, they didn't want to scare the kids that objects were flying periodically. But mm -hmm. that was another one that kind of fascinated me. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. That's a pretty we, intense moment um, there with the knives. I, yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> That gets into the intelligence behind what's going on there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it has a lot to do about, I mean, just the intensity of their situation. My aunt and uncle at the time, they just moved. They were in a stressful spot. Um, so, mm -hmm. but one, um, I hope my family doesn't mind me sharing this, but uh, that same same part of South Dakota with the whole rest of the family. My uh, my young my brother, my dad's youngest brother, my uncle, was living with his parents, my grandma and grandpa, and uh, he'd he'd suffered a bad motorcycle accident that hurt hurt his you know he damaged his brain, mm 
and uh, he committed suicide in his bedroom in our house. And it was a, naturally a really traumatizing thing for all of us. But years later, you know, my grandparents are still in the house and we still visit on the regular. My older cousins slept, slept in his bedroom and every time they would leave and come back, they'd find uh, their clothes all pulled out of their luggage and thrown all over the place. And we're like, I remember recalling sitting in the kitchen. We're like, what's Uncle Jim doing? Why is he doing this? You know, this is how matter of fact, we're like Uncle Jim's haunting the house. What is he doing? And it's, uh, again, nothing too scary. We just couldn't figure out what was, why. And then um, a couple years later, my dad and my his girlfriend stayed in the room and stayed in that room and they were horsing around like dad's a big prankster and uh, was just picking on his girlfriend and she rolls over in the bed and sees a man standing on the side of her bed and the man says to her, are you going to take that shit for a shit? Sorry. Hope you can beep that out if you want. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Uh, gonna, all right. You're going to take that shit from him. And she's like dumbstruck and she rolls back over to dad to like, who is this man in, your, in the bedroom? And uh, dad didn't see anything, but he's like, well, that's Uncle Jim. And, <laughs> and she described what he looked like to a T, which they had no current photographs of, of him. So that's, a, that's, that's the brief short version of like, yeah, my parent almost just been part of the family. It's a family member. <laughs> wow so that's so, a, that did she stay in that bedroom after that was she okay coming over after an incident like that i don't i don't know if she actually came back over after that now <laughs> i think about it right yeah that's quite a bit of confirmation yeah yep yep, yep. so there's not really so any room for oh i'm sorry hun you go ahead oh Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, just, I just wanted to reiterate kind of that story about how, like, the paranormal's always been part of the family. It's just been a practical matter mm -hmm. and not something we've ever been truly afraid of. Although I know there, there are experiences and reasons to be afraid of some elements. We've just not had them regularly. So there wasn't a lot of subtlety with interaction with the spirit realm. And some of it sounds as though you were just saying straight up, ghosts from the afterlife what about other things did you yeah. ever have any contact with the spirit world that didn't seem as though it was just ghostly kind of, yes and i was before we we're going to do this uh, meeting i was debating on telling this story or not but so i'm just going to lay it out as ridiculous as it is and um we specialize, that, uh, we specialize in the ridiculous so you're on safe ground okay <laughs> all right and i i would question my own sanity because uh but my boyfriend at the time saw it with me and we had both uh we had both had scotch that evening granted but we both saw the same thing so um so a majority of my experiences are are very kind of um, paranormal in the nature of spirits. Um, um, the traditional, like, you smell a family member that's passed or seen apparitions or been touched. But this thing, I don't even know what to classify it. And it actually happened at Manresa Castle. It happened uh, about 10 years ago. And I had been, that was my second trip to Manresa Castle, 
and I, you know, my boyfriend took me for my birthday and just knew it was haunted and we just love the place. It's beautiful. And, uh, it was Saturday, like we spent Saturday afternoon actually lounging and watching some sort of documentary on how scotch was made. And I'm like, let's go down to the bar and try scotch since I've not ever really had it. And no, not really. But we go down, I decide almost immediately that I don't like scotch, but we stay for a little bit longer. And we go up to the room, <clears throat> let's see, I think it's called 209. It's the one that's notoriously haunted by a woman. I think, um, not the big turret room, but, uh, so we're up there, we're, I don't know, we're laughing, we're talking, I don't know, I forget what we're doing, oh, but every time we would bring up the ghost, the lights would flicker, and so we, that, that kind of just lost our minds there, but, um, we started, it was, springtime is nice, we had the window open, and I kept hearing, it was probably like 10 o'clock or night or something, and I kept hearing like a noise outside, and I'm like, what in the world is going, it's like a scuffling of some sort, more like raccoons or something, I don't know. And we both, we both peek out the window and we look down and there's like hedges or something right there below our window on the, from the second floor. And we see, we both see a thing that is, looks like it might be the size of a medium-sized dog, but it, uh, it but it looked humanoid. And it looked naked, like a naked person, like a very small naked person was running around, scrambling around in these hedges. And my boyfriend and I both, we like jumped back from the window and we're like, what the, what the actual, you know, like, what is that? You know, we're, and I'm like, what in the world? And we see it just kind of scrambling around it, 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 it but it didn't have any hair and it, you know, it didn't look like a human, but it looked humanoid and it was just crawling around out there. We both freak out. And I call up the front desk. I'm like, what? I literally call up the front desk. I'm like, what What sort of animals are over here? <laughs> like, is this some sort of, I didn't explain why I was, but I was asking for like the habitat, uh, you know, what, what's the local, what's the local house, you know? And she's like, oh, we got raccoons and bugs. And I'm like, okay, okay, thank you. Thank you. When uh, we just closed, we closed the window. I'm like, I don't even, I don't, I can't even, I can't even right now. So that is my only experience with something that I'm like, I was truly dumbstruck. And I was like, oh, I, no more scotch for me. That's, that's for sure. And no more scotch for you, boyfriend. I mean, what, what was in that scotch? But uh, yeah, yeah. Now, did, did, did we this didn't thing, really talk about that. Did this thing notice you? Mm-mm. No. It didn't seem to. It didn't look up. It was just like it was scrounging around in the grass looking for something. But it had the back legs of like somebody who would look like they're crawling around on all fours. Okay, wait. Let's go into detail about that. You're saying that the – was it on all fours? Yeah, yeah. But it looked like as if somebody was, you know, hunched down, you know, with their arms in front of them and their feet – on the mm-hmm. ground, you know, like their legs weren't, they weren't animal legs. They were, they look like knees, knees pop mm-hmm. forward. And yeah. So it was and, down on its yeah, knees, uh, crawling around on its, on its knees and hands. On, on its feet and hands. 
Um, oh, got like you. So the rear, the yeah, rear would yeah. have been high up and with was, a slope down. Yeah, gotcha. Yep, 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 yep. That's okay. exactly what it looked like. So really an and uncomfortable kind of like yoga pose. Oh, it was, and it just scurried weirdly in different directions. Like it was looking for something or chasing something in the grass or trying to hide in the bushes. And we looked at this thing in absolute horror for itself like several minutes, but probably was only like 30 seconds or something like that. We mm-hmm. just took us a little while to like wrap our head over like what ungodly thing is that running around in this little, little patch of grass. Oh, oh, ugh. I still, I still don't know. I have no idea what to make of it. No idea. But 30 but seconds yeah, is a long time. We were probably, I think I was just, um, I was in paralyzed with mm-hmm. what, what the actual, what. <laughs> right. Oh. Right. Ugh. And you said it was Ugh. nude. Get, yeah, it looked nude. Definitely didn't have any hair, nothing on its body, nothing on its head. Had a round head, but I couldn't see mm-hmm. its face. Kept its face down. Could no you tell, could you tell age at all? Uh, no, it definitely didn't have wrink. I couldn't, I don't recall seeing any wrinkles, but then I was two stories up, you know, I was up mm-hmm. on the second floor. So now, is this the, it was nighttime. the backside of castle too, not the front. This is, I think it's the front, you know, where the turret, the haunted turret room is. And right. then you walk down the, you walk down the hall just a little bit. And there's that one other room that's reportedly haunted. It's on the list. So if you, walk from the turret room and head mm-hmm. towards the lobby. It's on the left. And I think mm-hmm. it's like 209, 206 mm-hmm. or 209, I think, somewhere. Yeah. Right. And I forget what room it is. I think it's on the second floor. I don't know if it's 209, but uh, there's uh, the story of a woman that uh, committed suicide after she found out yeah, that her... Yeah, out the... Right, right. Yes, that, that was the room we were in. I specifically mm-hmm. reserved that room. That's the, mm-hmm. yeah, where she reportedly jumped out the window, which mm-hmm. also gives me a little heebie-jeebies. I'm like, we're looking out this window that supposedly a woman jumped out of, and we can't make out what kind of thing is crawling around on the ground there. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, our, so we were in that uh, room. No, yeah. back and see whether or not this was a man or a woman. You have no instinct about that. Uh, for the for that room in particular. Well, with what you saw, did you were you able to gather gender oh, at all? Yeah, nothing. No. Mm-mm. No. Interesting. No, no. And and it was again about the size of a really large cat and a smallish, medium-sized dog. Um, so it wasn't extraordinarily large, but it was just. For the shape that we're seeing it, it kind of mm. a humanoid shape. We couldn't, you know, couldn't make out what that was. But, no, that sounds yeah, like a child. Was, I know it kind of did. It mm-hmm. kind of did, but it, it didn't move like like it was quick. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so. So when yeah, we so when yeah, we stayed there, we stayed there last month and around four fifty on the second floor, uh, next to two oh nine. Around 4.50 in the morning, we heard a child run down the hallway laughing and opening all the hotel doors, running towards the lobby. Uh, but we never s- never saw anything, but it may be as confirmation. Now, there are rumors that there is a child that haunts that place. And what's interesting about those rumors is that 
reportedly there was uh, a sarcophagus, two glass sarcophagus, where uh, both the, the builder and his wife were buried near or around the hotel, and some kind of traumatic accident happened where the, the coffins were hurt. And when they went to do construction on the uh, coffins to, to fix those, they found the child's coffin that wasn't reportedly down there. So I don't know. I give credence to maybe oh. there, there, there is a child haunting that place. So when you say you see a naked child running, well, you didn't say that, but the size of a child, um, it's, it's yeah. interesting confirmation. That is, well, you're blowing my mind now. I absolutely forgot about the, the, the coffin story mm-hmm. and the child. I well, I completely forgot about that. I just remembered the priest hanging and then up in the turret room and then um, mm-hmm. the woman jumping out the window. I have, yeah, I, uh, that, you know what? I'd rather know that that might've been a, a child playing naked outside <laughs> of the grass rather than some sort of creature human right. thing. But uh, that is really interesting. Yeah. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much so. So, and that's your only experience with something that you may quantify as not being a ghost. What about uh, contact outside of the spirit realm? Have you ever had any contact with anything that would seem like it may be from out of this world? Uh, do you consider yourself to see those kind of things? Mm. I, tra- I, I traditionally have not. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I believe in, you know, for instance, UFOs, aliens, um, and just other dimensional creatures. But um, I've not really, I, I, no, I haven't, re- I can't definitively say mm-hmm. that I've experienced anything else other than that. Back in South Dakota, um, one of my friends that she was down by, we're along the Missouri River, and uh, she, not known to tell tales of any kind, she's kind of a strict Catholic that way, um, she she and her boyfriend were sitting down by the water one night and said that they saw a large hairy creature come walking along out of the grass. And I'm like, what? You know, and I, even then I didn't, I was 18 at the time. And uh, that that story in itself, I kind of want to ask her about that again gave gave me pause as my dad is a huge uh, he believes in bigfoot for example and uh, mm-hmm. i believe he came across the bigfoot nest once and it just made me kind of do a little bit more research about other um hairy man sightings in non-traditional places but apparently it's been been reported in the dakotas so more research that i want to do there but mm-hmm. so no, nothing personally i've experienced that i can think of it's really mostly, mostly just ghosts mm-hmm. themselves. So, I, though I'm deeply, deeply terrified of werewolves, dogmen, no, re, no good explanation why. Just <laughs> profoundly afraid of dogmen. Yeah, don't ever want to experience that. No, nope, nope. Okay. Do you ever have any nightmares of dogmen? I mean, what is it about uh, werewolves in general? It's um kind of my. I come from a large family, a lot of brothers, and it's mm-hmm. uh, my two younger brothers and I uh, are the ones that have the unprecedented amount of fear of werewolves. And my youngest brother, my baby brother, he used to sleepwalk. Uh, even when he was like three years old, he would sleepwalk and walk right out of the house and crawl into the doghouse. 
And when we find him, kind of the next morning, he would explain that he's trying to get away from the werewolves. And we're like, oh, weirdo, what are you doing in the doghouse then? You know, get back in the house. And he used to be so afraid of going into the bathroom with the shower curtain closed because he was, he was certain there was a werewolf behind the curtain. And so since then, I mean, we used to make fun of him, but uh, yeah, when we would take road trips and whatnot and we'd see a, a, a abandoned shack or some or building along the road, we'd call it a werewolf shack. And it, it just kind of blossomed from childhood that the more we even talked about it and then that same younger brother, he's a huge listener to the, he listens to the Dogman podcast and does mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of research on werewolves, but um, it's just something that just, it just is somehow ingrained in us three. I've no, I don't know. I don't know, but um, yeah, it just, Fascinating. So your, your, your dad is privately researching Sasquatch, your brother, publicly researching dog man stuff and you yeah. looking yeah. into ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The the other brothers are 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 not into this at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they but they also don't uh disbelieve anything. They just would rather mm-hmm. not talk about it very much. But yeah. Yeah. We had a uh I guess just a slight segue with uh my younger brothers, since I was talking about them. Uh, so myself and my youngest brother are the biggest kind of paranormal investigators. And the brother between us, who lives out here in Seattle with me, um, he is not. And we, I, it was several years ago, I was over in Port, uh, uh, Port Town. I was at uh, Fort Warden over there in Port Townsend right. for an art festival. And I was staying in... I was. I have a couple of stories about these barracks, actually, but just to stick with the brother story, um, uh, I was staying in one of the barracks, and I was on my cell phone talking to this brother, the one who's not the not the paranormal fan, and uh, he was coming on over. We're going to have dinner because it was his birthday, and I was. We were making plans where to meet up, and and I was like, oh, by the way, happy birthday, and I hear oh, two beats later, somebody shout happy birthday and I was like what the who the hell is that you know like, just, it sounded yeah. like he's driving with the the other brothers uh and I was like just I'm like who was that thinking he would tell me a brother jumped over his shoulder and shouted that into the phone because that's what it sounded like and he's like no Jolie who's who is that I'm like Matt I'm I'm in I'm in this room by myself it sounded like it came on your end of the phone. He's like, no, it sounded like it came on your end. And it dawned on me. I'm like, oh, somebody got a happy birthday wish from a ghost. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, they were so happy. You know, so, yeah. I I thought it was just great. And he's like, stop talking now. So, yeah. Did it sound like a male or female? Absolutely male. Absolutely mm-hmm. male. And uh, a very happy one, too. Just like could barely contain their excitement to wish a happy birthday. So. And again, you both heard it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both. Of, and it both sounded like on each of our phones, it sounded like it came from the other phone. So. And what are, any any yeah. other incidences of things messing with your electronics like that? Um, yeah, quite a few. 
actually. Um, oh, oh, man, where do I begin? I've long tried to figure out what, what, why are electronics such a conduit for activity? And it really just seems to make sense that it, it is something electrical based, which in, in my theory, um, the spirits seem to have something else going on an electrical level, another dimension, which is why they, they're so popular with devices. Um, let's see, we're going to begin with my devices. I was uh, several years ago, my grandpa, my dad, my dad's dad had passed away. And shortly after that, uh, my TV started acting up really strange, turning on and off at certain times. And, uh, and I was like, this is crazy. You know, like made sure there was like no, no battery in the remote. And, um, and since I'd been there for a while, there was no, unless my neighbor suddenly got the exact same television, which I highly doubt it was old, old television. And, uh, so yeah, I would just, uh, my TV would just act up at strange times, especially when I crawl into bed and have it on it would turn off as soon as I crawled in bed. I'm like, what? You know, almost as if like, no, TV is bad to go to, you know, you got to go to bed, don't watch TV. And uh, I think, oh yeah, I got uh, I got a video camera, a little video camera. And this is, yeah, this is like 2004 or something. I got a little video camera. I was going to set it up to see if I could capture anything of like, what is turning my TV on and off at unexpected times. And uh, I, I turned, I, put the camera on, I turn it on, I'm about to crawl into bed, and right as I'm walking to the bed, it turned off. And I'm like, well, you could have waited till, you know, I got into bed, which is usually what it does. And um, I have a recollection that it, it turned back on, and it had, it turned on to a channel or to somebody speaking something about forefathers or fathers or something like that. And I was like, oh, I wonder if this is grandpa. You know, just grandpa was strict. He would never have allowed TVs in bedrooms and whatnot. So just wondered if he uh, wondered if he popped around just to check up on people. Mm-hmm. It, that that period that period didn't last very long though. It was only like a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward, fast forward about another ten years, and I'm in a different apartment, and um, and I wake up at in the middle of the night. And uh, Saturday, it's like three or so. And I'm like, I'm feeling awake enough that I don't think I'd lay back down to sleep. So I'm going to go turn on the TV and watch something. And I walk out in the living room and I now have a flat screen TV. And it's sitting on a runner with a bunch of knickknacks and bells and everything. And I walk up to my TV, turn it on. And I, I do the zombie thing where I'm holding the remote and I'm just standing right in front of the TV trying to figure out what to watch. And I come across the black and white classic. And uh, I'm like, oh, I love these. You know, I'm going to, I'll watch this for a while. And right as I'm about to turn around to go to the couch, my TV pivots a lot. So it's like um, almost to the, 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 it's almost off the edge of my mantle that it's on. And it, it's pivoted away from me as if somebody just, straight up turned it and they turned it it was turned hard because all my bells and knickknacks things went off and my runner got crumpled up and I turned I I stared at it and this happens right in front of my face and I stare at it and I 
I somehow gathered the strength to write the TV. And I was, I was honestly petrified. There was something about that incident that really scared me. And uh, I, I ran back into the bedroom and quite literally threw the blankets over my head and stayed there in a ball. And so, yeah. And I've had, let's see, I haven't actively done a lot of personal, like on my own EVP work, but I've caught a little EVP that I cannot decipher on um, a recorder while I was at the Roslyn Cemetery a couple of years ago. And more recently, I was listening to some songs I downloaded on my phone. This is probably only a couple months ago. And uh, I was listening to some songs, and then suddenly the song changed to this horrifically menacing, um, like, I can't even do the sound. It's like this almost like growl, howl, like, and then it says like, you know, something like that. I don't even want to think about it. And I stop at my tracks because I'm walking with friends and I'm like, what in, what in the hell is this? And I listened to it a couple times and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, what, what in the hell? It just showed up somehow on my phone. So consulting with friends, especially my IT friends, um, we had the file examined to see if it was some sort of virus. And we even tried to play it backwards and it's still not really decipherable. But it has given everyone who listened to it um, a, a real fright. Like it's just a terrible sounding thing. So you I still have the you still have this audio. I do, I do. Mm-hmm. I can probably, uh, yeah. I still, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I still have this audio. And um, how long yeah. is the clip, and, Jolie? Uh, probably ten, fifteen seconds. Okay, and is Not it one? Long. Is it one sound, or is it broken up into different uh, sentences, for lack of a better word? Different words. It, for lack of a better word, it does sound like it's saying some words. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like something's being said, but I can't, I can't decipher it. And it just sounds, it sounds threateningly. Threatening. Mm-hmm. It just sounds really unpleasant. Um, definitely not the happy birthday that I heard on my phone several right. years ago. This right. was almost like growl talk, gravelly talk thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I could probably send it to you if you want. Um, it's, yeah. It's just, uh, yeah. I'd be curious yeah. to look at it uh, on one of the programs we use here to see how it breaks down phonetically. Oh, re- yes. Int- yeah, that would be mm. interesting. Yeah, the, the my friend who had it scanned to see if it was a virus of some sort and then reversed it um, didn't have that level of technology. We just wanted to make sure it wasn't some sort of you know, worm or bug or something. Right, so, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. So what about in your own place where you're calling me from today? What's going on there? I am happy to report that this place that I'm in right now is absolutely spirit free, like a hundred percent. The building is not, is not, but uh, my, my apartment is, it was noticeable, like palpable difference. Mm-hmm. The apartment I lived in for the last 11 years, profoundly haunted, like un- unbelievably haunted. And uh, I don't know, it's hard to say who may be haunting the place. I did some research on before it was an apartment complex, complex in Norwegian family. 
that lived there. Um, wondering if it was maybe the old man. Um, there's been uh, people in this building, it's pretty small, tend to stay there for a long time. So there were two um, deaths and an elderly gentleman above me. But uh, before I moved into that apartment, my friend lived there with uh, with a man who uh, uh, later came out to us as struggling with heroin addiction. And so we got him into a treatment program. And right after he completed the treatment program, he went out, he fell in love in, in the program with somebody not recommended um, and ran off to Alaska. We never saw him again, but um, we got word back from his family that he died of liver, liver failure. Around the time that we got word of that, my friend was still living in the apartment, odd things began to happen in the apartment. So we think it is him that's haunting the place. Mm-hmm. And some of, the, some of them are traditional odd things like um, change going missing or change specifically pennies and dimes showing up at very peculiar places over and over again. And uh, kind of started off there. Um, and I have so many stories about this apartment. Is there? Um, I could go on a lot. Uh, well, is this is this part of the reason? Just, is this part of the reason you moved? No, no. The reason I moved it's a uh, yeah, personal. My husband and I are mm-hmm. going through a separation, and so gotcha. he's staying. He he wants to stay in that apartment. Uh, I do not advise it for him, mm-hmm. but uh, he's still there, and he still has the strange things occurring. Um, very strange. Well, well now occurring. wait a second. He wants to stay there. That's kind of interesting. Why? Why do you think is he attached to that place, or is something attaching? Do you have any speculation on that? Is that part of the reason? I think things um, are attached to him mm-hmm. uh, in in its own weird way. The place it can be both a profoundly um, happy place, and then it can become a really it, it even looks darker, as if something dark has come mm-hmm. in. And um, and I think it's just. Uh, mm-hmm. um, it, it can be just a really negative place. And you know how uh, sometimes you can get drawn into mm-hmm. that depressive level and just not mm-hmm. want to, like it, it consumes you just as much as you consume it kind of thing back and forth. Um, well, you don't have to answer this question here, but let me ask it since we're talking honestly and we don't know who this guy is, but as far as behavior is concerned, his personality wise, did you notice changes? Mm, yes, yes, and um, it could very well be, you know, I'm going to just throw out there that if you do see changes in somebody, you should always, especially dramatic ones, always, always, always go the medical route treatment first, um, and so I just want to put that out there for your listeners, and without going too far into what um, my marriage situation how about I relay some stories and viewers can make their own decisions? Is yeah, well, no, no, whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this apartment uh, profoundly haunted. A lot of my friends, you know, they won't even want to stay there. But I was there for 11 years. And especially when it was just me in that apartment, it was fantastic 99% of the time. Um. But when things started going bad for us, uh, things, 
the place got um, very different. And I'll say that uh, probably, let's see, it may have been just a few months when I moved in. And I moved in by myself. Um, I had an, an awful, awful, terrible dream about, uh, again, lack of a better word, a demon-like creature standing on the side of my bed taunting me, you know, just taking pleasure and, and just scaring me. And uh, in my dream, I got so profoundly angry at this thing you know, that I, I remember quite vividly shoving it out the sliding door. It's, a, it's just a street-level apartment, a patio on the, on the sidewalk. And uh, a few weeks after that, I had another dream. And I know these are dreams, and we'll talk about, I'll get to why these are kind of significant later. Um, it, like... A couple weeks later, I had another dream, and I heard a sound out in the living room, and I thought it was this thing again, just giving me, giving me hell, giving me, you know, in, taking enjoyment and just like taunting me. That I, I opened the bedroom door, and I'm gonna, you know, storm out in the living room and ready to brawl with this thing again. And I see a woman with her back to me, sitting in the living room. She has thick brown hair, thick brown hair, and a ponytail, and she's roughly my age at the time. I was. Uh, 28 and uh she shoots around like she's sitting on the floor cross-legged and she shoots around and she looks at me with this look that's like you weren't supposed to see this but at the same time she's like doing something she's she's doing something she's almost doing some sort of ritual on on this floor in the living room and so so those were two very prominent dreams that kind of uh shook me when i first moved in and then the change uh, started disappearing or reappearing. Uh, things were moved in my apartment when you know I'd, I'd come back home. You know the typical haunting kind of stuff. And uh, what I hope everyone can roll with me on this one because I've had multiple witnesses, and this happened to my my friend who lived in the apartment uh, previously. Whenever I'd buy like a a case of beer of cans specifically, I'd put it in the fridge and uh, I'd either come home or I'd wake up in the morning and one can, one can is gone with no trace of it anywhere. And I was like, when it first happened, when it first started to happen, I was like, you've got to be joking me. And now I'm thinking like somebody's breaking in the apartment and I quite literally had my, um, I had my, my uh, keys changed or my locks changed after I found like, DVDs on the floor with um so and it looked like somebody in a beer gone and you know like did someone come in and break in and just sit down and watch movies what in the world so I had my locks change and a few months later it happened again and uh yeah my friend and I we just couldn't we couldn't make we couldn't figure out what was going on so my husband then moves in and things just get kind of the just the energy in the room even kind of changed and um i or in the house in the apartment we got a a cat from the shelter a sweet baby girl abigail just beautiful all black kitty and within a few days of her in the apartment she would run in the living room and she would specifically attack the part of the floor in the living room where i had that dream of this woman doing a ritual and she so i decided to videotape her get a recording of her 
just because she's being a big goofball and she just acting apeshit on this one section of the carpet. And I start recording and it is orb galore. I've never seen anything like it. And it's obvious that she's playing with these things. I'm like, what? And I can only see the orbs and stuff on the, on the, um, uh, on the, on the phone. And you can definitely tell it's not just random, you know, dust being kicked up or anything. There are all kinds of orbs and they're shooting in all directions. They're the, the long kind of stick figure orbs. Um, they're the giant ones. There's the slow ones that move this way or, you know, every, you know, move in a specific direction and then take, you know, turn. But they're all kind of coming out of this one section, again, where I had this dream where this woman um, was doing some sort of ritual. And uh, that is also a place that just feels like the center of the apartment. And so let's skip forward a couple years. Things are well, let me, let me ask you about this woman oh, yeah. first. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Rit- the ritual. Yeah. Let's talk about this ritual and what you saw yeah. in this dream. As far as what made you think she was doing a ritual, what do you remember that gave you that impression? I, I can't remember a specific object. It was one of those things where in the dream you just know something. Mm-hmm. I like, like it, it just seemed like, I was, yeah, I don't remember seeing, I can't say that I remember seeing a specific object. Okay. Was she was she on uh, was she on the ground like working her arms in certain ways that gave you the impression that she was doing something? Yeah, she well, she was sitting cross-legged on the ground again, had Mm. her back to me. Um, She's like wearing t-shirt and jeans, and uh, um, I think I caught her as she was doing something with her hands Mm -hmm. up in the air, but she shot her head around so quickly and just stop what she was doing. And the look was so intense that I just like, I just backed up slowly back into the bedroom and closed the door. And mm-hmm. I was like, whoops, didn't mean, it, didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry, I thought you were gremlin creature thing. So, <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Right, now was the apartment uh, hardwood floored? Mm-mm. Carpet. Carpet, okay. carpet. What the, yeah, my apartment specifically, what it was before would have been kind of the basement of the old um, craftsman farmhouse that was there before. Um, okay. And in the dream, was it a carpeted as well? Yep. It was exactly mm. the same as my apartment. Exactly yeah. the same. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It would have been maybe yeah. interesting to dig under that carpet though and see if there was anything going on. I know. Uh, that would mm. be, that would be curious. And since, mm. I mean, since I was there for 11 plus years and my friend was there for five more years before that, that carpet hasn't been changed the whole time. So eventually when, when my husband moves out, I would be a little curious to see what happens when they change that carpet. But yeah. Yeah. And so your cat, when it's playing with the energies, is it like a cat with catnip? It has a happy countenance. It's kind of in a state of play. It was in play, but she was just, she's being kind of spazzy. You know how cats also do their zoomies Mm -hmm. back and forth. It was a little bit of that too. Um, I would like to note that she has done zoom, like she would act uh, a little goofball, goofball-y, you know, Mm -hmm. after this situation, but I'd never caught anything else like the orbs or her playing with things like that Mm -hmm. since. That was that one, one time scenario. 
Um, but yeah, she was like trying to catch them. For lack and, of, she was, yeah. And you'd never find the can, the missing can of beer. Never. I would never find it. I would, uh, yeah, I would go through underneath the sink. I would go through the garbage. I'd be like, I'm, this is ridiculous. Like, this is crazy. You know, like I didn't even touch the beers and there's already, there's one missing. What is this about? So yeah, it would never, and this would happen so Mm -hmm. often over the 11 years um, that, yeah, the one can would never be found. How many times do you think it happened over 11 years? Maybe 20 times. So 20 beers vanished. Would they vanish day and night or would they vanish certain times? Um, I guess day and night. Sometimes I'd wake up and one would be gone and sometimes Mm -hmm. I'd come home from work and one would be gone. Yeah. So someone would have to sneak in while you're asleep potentially and open the fridge, take a beer out quietly and then lock the door behind them. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, About a year before I moved out, uh, things got even astronomically strange with missing items from the from the kitchen um yeah go into detail about that yeah oh yeah so um we went we stopped at like qfc the grocery store you know picked up some food at the deli and i think my husband got some like rice and beans or something like that and uh came home we dished him up we ate he had he didn't eat his full plate and so we go back into the, you know, we're watching TV in the living room. We go back to the kitchen and uh, he's washing up the dishes, rinsing them off. And I'm putting the excess food, the rice and beans in a Tupperware container. And I remember this moment so specifically because you ever have one of those moments where you're like, this stupid Tupperware lid is not fitting on the container. And you're trying your, your darndest to put it. I don't know if that's just a no, no. That yeah, have, no, but... that's a Tupperware scam from yeah. way back. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm, I'm like at the fridge and I'm like, son of a, you know, get this. On. I finally put it on and I'm like, I want to be done with this container. So I just throw it on the top shelf and close the, the uh, refrigerator and we go back to the living room. Throughout, I don't know, 45 minutes later, he's hungry again. He's, he wants to go heat up the, the leftover rice and beans. And he's in the fridge for a little, he's rough and, you know, he's looking around there. I'm still in the living room. He's like, where did you put the food, the rice and beans? I'm like, on the top shelf. He's like shuffling. Where? I'm like, the top shelf. <laughs> you know, this is, these are how marital fights begin, you know, kind of thing. Right. And uh, he's like, there's nothing up here. I'm like, BS. You know, I, I, no, I fought with that container. And it was, yeah, it's up there. I go into the kitchen and nothing is there. The container of food is gone. Now, I suppose you can speculate, like, maybe, maybe my husband did something. No, he's, he's not, he would not do that. Um, he wanted that food also, so he was hungry. But, uh, yeah, that entire container of leftover food went missing from the fridge within a 45-minute time frame. Other items that would go missing, especially from the pantry, was more rice, especially rice, some pasta. The entire bag would go disappearing. And I was, I'm, you know, I'm a big paranormal fan. I do believe in it, but there are also stories of people living in walls that people don't. And I'm like seriously beginning to wonder if somehow there's, you know, someone living in our walls. 
and just just note to self someone living in your walls is way scarier than a ghost taking a beer way way, yes absolutely oh my gosh that was way 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 scarier i'll I'll take the ghosts over that but um yeah pantry items would go missing sometimes we would just like we're talking bags of rice or bags of dried beans and oh hello oh my phone that must be the ghost. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yes, that must be. <laughs> no, my phone just did a little freak out. That's um, okay. Yeah, they, just entire bags of food. Bought, you know, and uh, was well, well now was the fridge a, was the fridge a hot zone? I mean, was it mainly the fridge? You mentioned DVDs would be laid out on the floor too. Yes, yes, DVDs. Like it's that whole core zone. The way that our um, now that I think about it. Yeah, the way that our apartment's laid out, if you were to face the couch, you're pretty much facing where that little woman, the woman was doing the thing. And if you kept looking straight, yeah, that's pretty much the core area of where the pantry and the fridge is on the other side of the wall. Um, and that just, yeah, it just seemed like it. But pennies, pennies regularly would show up underneath. I have a little Buddhist uh, thing next to the front door of like peace and blessing of houses and I would always find a penny directly beneath this thing when I come home I pick up the penny come home the next day another penny is in that same spot um dimes would show up uh right near our feet uh in my what I noticed is they would show up before a fight would start and he would notice them after the fight ended so pennies and dimes were a big deal of those showing up and uh we did, we did have, um, so, so he doesn't, he does believe, either he doesn't really believe in the paranormal, but the place felt so sticky and uh, dark, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. I was, he, he came up with the idea of, uh, let's do a full cleaning, including like cleaning, cleaning and smudging using um, sage and sweet grass. Let's just go through the whole apartment and see if we can't clear up whatever's in here. Uh, I would also advise if anybody's in a similar situation to probably also also go to marriage counseling. So I'm just going to put that out there. But um, so we we did a cleaning and uh, he starts up with the sage and I'm following up with sweetgrass. And we're going through every nook and cranny of the apartment, which is it's a, it's a large place. I'll just add to. And uh, we go through and we're doing our. We came up with our own mantra, like this is a place of love and peace and anything intending harm must leave and that we're going to walk it out our patio door. We're going to walk it out to the street. So we're just, we're doing this and we're just trying to clear the space and, and he takes the lead out to the sliding door saying, you know, that we're going to walk, we're going to walk everything out now. You're not allowed in anything intending harm. We're walking out to the street. We open up the sliding door. We go, we open up the patio that leads to the, the patio door that leads to the sidewalk. And we're still doing, we're still burning the sage because we're walking this thing out of any door that's near, that's associated with our home. We go out the patio door and we walk up the sidewalk just a few feet. And then we just, we're like this, you're released, you're not permitted back in anymore. And we walk, so and that was it, we walk back in. We sit and we close the patio door. We sit at the table that's on our patio, right along our patio cinder block fence. And we sit there and we're like, oh, that was good. You know, that 
I felt good, you know, just to do that. And we were probably sitting in that position. He's on one end of the table. I'm on the other for 30, for 30 seconds, a minute, maybe. And just sitting in silence when we hear this bizarre sound. It's just, it's a, it's a cat screaming, you know, kind of, it's a, it's a yowling. It's a scream yowl thing. And we're like, what the actual, what is, where's that coming from? And we look underneath the table because it's, it's coming from our feet. We look at the table and there is this black cat. I can't believe I'm saying that, but yes, it's a black cat on the other side of our cinder block wall. And it's like, it's, it's, it's shooting its paws in and out of the cinder block wall trying to, it looks like it's trying to get at our feet, at our ankles. And it's just like ramming itself up against this wall and it's like clawing and trying to get in. And we both shoot back in our chairs, you know, shit is that you know what's wrong with this cat and uh we being cat people we have cats we i me i immediately think like this cat is sick you know there's something wrong with this cat note that this cat showed up crawling and you know screaming at the exact same spot that we walked out whatever it was in our apartment that's where we released it and this, and it's trying to get out her ankles and I'm like I grab a chair I grab my chair I jumped up from and I look over the patio wall which was pretty high it was a very pretty high wall and I look down and sure enough this cat is just ramming itself up against their wall trying to get in just yelling and being crazy and by this time my husband's also looking over and I'm like I'm gonna go check it out so I'm gonna get off the chair and go outside and see what's going on and this is the only time he's referenced like anything paranormal, but he's, he said, he's like, I walked evil out of this apartment. I'm not letting it back in, close that door. And I'm like, Oh, well, it's interesting. And I had not unlocked the door, but by that moment I was at the patio door and I turn, you know, and that's when I see the cat has somehow managed to make the significant leap up or maybe climbed, I don't know, up to the top of our patio wall, which it's, you know, big cinder blocks. It's got plenty of room to walk up there. And I'm like, oh my God, it's up on the wall. And this thing is like still yelling. It's trying, it's doing the cat head bob thing, trying to find a place, you know, when it's about to jump. And it's trying to jump in, it's trying to jump in the patio. And I, I, a little berserker bursted out of me and I ran at it and I'm like chewing it. I'm like, get the I use whatever creative language I use to kind of chase this cat down off the wall and uh this cat is like stops and looks back at me hisses growls runs a little bit hisses growls and it's doing this like spit you know being crazy cat at me the whole time I'm chasing it down the patio wall and it jumps off at the very end of the wall I will add that our patio is very long so this it was not a small patio. It's not a short place, very long. And, uh, and it jumps off and it's a black cat and it jumps off into the darkness. I don't know where it went. It just was gone. This was about seven years ago. And, uh, I get it. We didn't talk about that much after that. We were just like, what, what was that? And I was like, that was some scary, you know, that was some scary shit, whatever that was. Something's wrong with that cat. Now, six months ago, 
maybe seven months ago, talking to my husband, we're going over details and whatnot. And uh, he's like, oh, by the way, the cat came back. I'm like, what? This is seven years like after the incident. And he's, he said he'd fallen asleep with the patio door open, the screen door was closed. And uh, Moses, you know, his cat, Moses, this is the biggest, sweetest, never heard a peep out of this cat unless he wanted food kind of cat. He has been fell asleep on the couch and he woke up to Moses making very bizarre sounds and hissing and he's like staring at the at the patio door and he, you know my husband walks over he's like what's going on buddy you know like acting weird and he looks out and right again where that same spot where we would we walked out whatever was in the apartment the exact same spot my husband's standing there he sees that black cat just sitting on top of our patio fence staring in and what my husband said it's like it felt like it knew like it was being snuck. all right i would just like to clarify that of course all of this could be very logically explained and it's a cat and it's just sitting up on the patio and then it's yelling at another cat this all makes sense but this i get it i get it but just for humor me and <laughs> roll with me okay. in that uh this, this when he told me this I had a chill go up my spine that I could, I just, it spooked me so bad. Um, just the idea, he's like, oh, it was just sitting there staring at me, not even staring at Moses, it was staring at me. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, that thing come back, whatever that was, is it like, is it, mo it felt mocking. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, man, oh, man, I want you to get out of that place. Like, do I do? But uh, yeah, so. So as soon as I, that's just, there's, gosh. Well, let me ask I, you this one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Regarding, um, you know, your community, I still want to go back to this woman who is maybe doing a spell here because it sounds like it might be connected. Do you feel like that woman is connected to all this? Yes. Or at least um, I do believe portals kind of can exist. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I begin to wonder if that if that was either somebody who's trying to open it or somebody who's trying to close it. But okay. I, not, I haven't ruled that I haven't ruled that idea out. Um, I believe in ley lines as mm -hmm. well, and I can you know something may maybe something's like coming through, just passing through all the time, mm -hmm. and sometimes the negative stuff sticks around. Um, did I've you guys ever also, like, did you ever attempt yeah. to communicate with her? No, not with her. She felt like, even in my dream, I was like, oh, I'm not going to mess with her. Not mm -hmm. in a negative way, but she just felt extremely powerful. And I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to, you know. No. Mm -hmm. But I've, uh, yeah, I've, I haven't tried really communicating aside from trying to get whatever's negative out. Or mm -hmm. I would, I would say my friend who passed a friend who had the heroin addiction if i suspected he was doing something i'd tell him to knock it off mm -hmm. um but there, no i haven't like i didn't want to it was already kind of uh intense mm -hmm. enough just having just such random weirdness right. happen um was there any uh, private uh, invoking or you know spell work being done at your place any private or not, suspected 
with friends or family mm. or loved ones? I I am a tarot card reader, and so I would read tarots, and I would um, read there. My cards my cards are trusty though; like they've they've never done me too wrong. Um, other than cleanings, uh, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cleansings, I should say. Other than cleansings, uh, right, right. Burning. No, um, no, no spell-like activity. No ceremoniously, mm-hmm. no ceremonious activity. But um, right. Yeah, yeah. So with all the work you did to cleanse that place, it sounds like it didn't stick. So what do you think the motivation of it is to get back in? I don't know. I go back to that dream that I had with that human, that, that thing. What struck me most, uh, you know, that thing that just looked, it took such pleasure in torment. And I go back to this thing and, uh, and well, I descri- wonder if yeah, Describe something. that for us because we need a visual of what you saw. What, this thing, yeah, you, you, you yeah. use the word demonic. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's kind of a word. Um, mm-hmm. It looked like uh, definitely humanoid, probably four foot or so, extremely skinny, naked, um, with a huge grin, and it just it just ex- it just exuded malice, but mm-hmm. it had such a big grin on its face, kind of thing, and uh, not, yeah, it was just like. Naked, no scales, no hair, no nothing. Um, mm-hmm. Humanoid, bald, uh, but it, it looked old in a way. It looked mm-hmm. like old and kind of wrinkly. Um, Did it look yeah, familiar at smile, all? Though. No, it didn't look familiar. No. And uh, no, no, it didn't look familiar. But I, I immediately just obviously kind of hated it. But what I remember, what I hated so much is that it's like, oh, I get my, you know, I'm going to take such pleasure in, you know, like giving you hell. And I'm like, eat, eat, eat shit, motherfucker. You know, in my dream, I was so angry. That I just, I literally jumped, jumped out of bed and I just kept shoving it in the shoulders backwards and through the patio door in my dream. And it was smiling the whole time. So I was just like, nope, not today, Satan. Not today. So when, so, now when you, when you pushed it out the patio area, did you see the whole body of it? Did you see uh, parts oh, of yeah, it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I saw the whole thing just kind of mm-hmm. go out the door. Uh, it had legs, had arms, uh, mm-hmm. again, humanoid, skinny little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, I just, oh, I just remembered that I yeah. had a tremendous amount of hate. Yeah, yeah, for it. Uh-huh. And it was just taking such pleasure in it. So I do, I wonder if there's some sort of something or yeah, if the apartment's on has a portal in it or if it uh-huh. has a ley line coming through or if there is one thing in particular that could be after us or something or just, I don't know. I don't know. Julie, again, are, apartment, uh, well, let me ask you oh, this, yeah. sir. Are you a sensitive at all? Or do you have uh, abilities to see sight within sight? I think, yes, yes, I do. And I've been trying to figure out um, how to hone it in as best as possible, as well as figure out what exactly it is. Like, it took me a long time. I didn't know that this was a thing. Like, when I would go into antique stores, I'd suddenly get very faint or extremely emotional. And uh, 
and or when I go to certain historic places um, and I touch something or like um, I would see something that I couldn't quite explain in over 40 years old now and it's taken me you know nearly 40 years and as I'm looking at my entire bookshelf of ghosts uh, books on ghosts right now to just kind of piece all the stuff that I've ever experienced um, together into something sensible mm-hmm. and um, so I've I've seen ghosts straight up I've been grabbed um, I've been uh, I've smelt ghosts and mm-hmm. um, I've touched somebody or something and I've seen something that either happened or sometimes about to happen mm-hmm. and uh, most most of the time it is in my dreams though for things that are about to happen um, and that's mostly related to my family so mm-hmm. I can know what's happening or something happened or about to happen and it's related to my family I'll dream about it so mm-hmm. Do you keep a dream journal yeah. or do you blog about this stuff? Do you keep a record of all oh. these dreams? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. I've kept a dream journal since I was 16. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, I've gone through several books now. So. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Now you live in a place that's clear of all this stuff. You haven't had anything follow you. No, nope. Or yeah. Or maybe something's following me and not showing itself. I, mm-hmm. I get, I, I would, I mean, I, it's hard for me to describe the distinct feeling of difference of a, like a true, a really haunted place versus uh, just been, Mr. Clean came through on this one, not a, nothing, <laughs> got nothing in here. So, and well, now you're, time, you're profoundly I, interested yeah. in the subject matter. It's interesting that uh, you're relieved there's nothing there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you don't need any more, um, in, quote unquote, you don't need more interesting stuff when you're going through a troubled marriage. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. Right. That's, no ghosts, it's just, just fine, just fine. Just right. fine. But, um, yeah, yeah. Well, now, you mentioned that um, people uh, in Seattle can reach out to you through friends of friends. You have this other private uh, investigative group. Um if people did want to reach out to you, typically, do you, have you had anybody on the internet say, you know, I'd like you to come look at my house? I have not, actually. You know, it's all been kind mm-hmm. of in person. Mm-hmm. People are welcome to contact me through um, Horror Habit, through my blog, if they'd like, though. Um, I can try to help where I can mm-hmm. or give advice or, um, yeah. I've even had some people just want to know, like, mm-hmm what spooky attractions should they go check out? And I'll point mm-hmm. out the ones that I don't think will, you know, cause, you know, cause anybody harm, but. Yeah. All right. Well, tell, yeah. tell us a spooky attraction in Seattle that people should go check out, including myself. I'd like to know. Oh yeah. Um, well, uh, let's see. They, I used to hang out at the alibi room and Pike place market. If anybody's familiar with that place, um, little bar down in kind of underneath the market and uh, I used to go there for brunch and read a book and I was in my very early 20s at the time and I'd go there on the regular and when there's a bathroom so down in the basement there and a little bit of a stairwell and uh, this place kind of spooked me out but uh, so I'd rush as soon as I could and one day I went to the bathroom and I was about to go down the stairs, but there's a, there's a man in a suit 
very nice suit. His hair is slicked back. And he's standing down there at the base of the stairs, smiling, looking at me. And my first thought is like, what in the, who, what is this dude doing down here? This, the basement's even closed. I'm like, oh God, you know, I kind of smile back. I look at him and we get to the end of the base of the stairs and he's probably three, four feet from me. And he's like, is there anything I can do? Can I help you with anything? That's what he said. And I'm like, I'm just going to the bathroom. No, that's okay. And uh, I go to the bathroom, I come back and he's gone. I think nothing of it until uh, many years later. My friends suggest going on a ghost tour in Pike Place Market. And I, I come along and one of our first stops is at the alibi room. And we go down to the basement and I'm like, boy, that's what in the world? I usually get a feeling if a place is like, I feel it, you know, and what are we doing down here? And the tour guide's like, the most common ghost seen down here is of a man in a nice suit with slicked back hair. And he asks if he can help you with anything. And I <laughs> nearly fainted. I looked at my friends. I'm like, shut the fuck up. You know, like I, I met this guy. <laughs> I met this guy years ago. Right. Um, I w it's one of my fondest. I do recommend people check this place out because um, it's also just a fun kind of ghost story. The tour guide did say, though, that um, he hasn't been seen for a couple of years, so who knows if he's still there. Mm -hmm. um, the Merchant Cafe in Pioneer Square is is one place, the basement there's um, very haunted, and it scares me. This, this ghost down here is actually, she's a pretty scary lady. And I first kind of got the feeling, I'd never seen anything in this one, but they got the feeling of her also around my early 20s when another another bathroom story, now I think about it. But um, I had my old roommate's uh, boyfriend would work there and talk about uh, pans flying in the kitchen and other very scary stuff. So... I guess I'm starting off with the touristy stuff. Mm -hmm. um, what's the most? Chevrolet what's Park? the yeah? What's the most uh, haunted place in Seattle? The one place where you're assured, you know, most people will most likely have an experience. Yeah. What mm -hmm. about the what about the underground? Is it overrated? Um. No, like overrated as a haunting site. Right. And just I, to describe I mean, to listeners, when I say the underground, I'm talking about Seattle was built atop the ruins of the yeah, original Seattle. Yeah. So you can take the underground tour where the ladies of the night yeah. were and uh, a lot of Shanghai yeah, happened. Yeah. So, but yeah. yeah, have you had any experiences down there? The only, it was one section that was kind of near the J&M saloon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are just certain sections that really kind of scared me, uh, gave me the spooks pretty bad, but not the whole underground. Like a majority of the underground, I think, is just really fascinating, and people should absolutely check it out at least once because it's hard to wrap your mind around a city being built on top of another city while the other city is still running underground. But um, there are certain sections, and I can. I, it's been a while since I've been on the underground, but I seem to recall that the sections that were reportedly most haunted, I didn't feel that way. I thought there were other sections, although it's one that's near a bank fault. That does give me a little heebie-jeebies. Um, so, I, 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 don't, I don't know. 
I, I honestly think it's still, it's often so crowded, it's hard for people to actually kind of see if you have a paranormal experience there. So there's so many people there right. oftentimes. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of kind of like more places. Well, there's so much construction going on right now that a lot of these yeah. historic buildings are in jeopardy of becoming future Amazon hangout spots. So it's. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 for sure. Um, the Sorrento Hotel is a surprising one that doesn't often come up, but is still in kind of the list. You know, I'm trying to think. Discover, yeah, Discovery Park has always, it's beautiful, but it's always given me the spooks. And it was later, I've heard a few stories about it being haunted, especially by the Native American Center there. So people should check that out if they're in the Seattle area. The park is just beautiful anyway. But it's also got it's got it's got something else about it that I can't even put a finger on. It is probably um, one of the most gorgeous pieces of real estate you could go up to that faces oh, the, yeah. the Puget Sound. It's you do not feel like you're 15 minutes outside of the city at all. Right? No, no, no. You feel you feel yeah. It's highly recommended. Go mm-hmm. um, go for the view, stay for the ghosts. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask you about your, um, because I know you have to go here, your your blog in general. You you talk a lot about uh, horror movies and uh, you still are invested into horror movies. Well, let me ask you this. If you're writing about such things, do you feel as though this can erupt stuff in your own life? Do you put any credence in the fact that uh, what you do for a hobby can have its own hobby with you? Yes, I do believe that can happen for some hobbies. I don't believe in my in my case writing about horror films can generate paranormal activity. Um, mm-hmm. Oh goodness, I can't even believe how quickly time went by because I have a lot I could go around theories of different entities and causes and stuff. Maybe another right. time. Well, but let me uh, ask you before um, you go. Let me yeah. ask you what your favorite horror film would be if you could give the top three horror films. For Jolie, could you uh, yeah. reach in your bag and give us three must-sees? All right. Um, John Carpenter's The Thing is a must. Okay, and, excellent uh, choice, excellent choice. Yeah, yeah. The Others is one of them. Oh, I'm sorry, not the other. The, um, no, that is a good one. Oh, The Innocence. Sorry, from 1960. I don't know. It's, okay, never heard I of that. The Innocence. Okay. It's, yeah, it's based on a Henry James novel at the turn of screw. And then um, but my top, it always tops on my list. And it's so funny that it is because it's a movie about werewolves. Um, Dog Soldiers. Absolutely love that film so much. Love it. Oh, wow. Two, I've never heard of Dog Soldiers and the Innocence. And now is the Dog Soldiers as yeah. campy as it sounds? It sounds like it's a, a B movie all the it, way. Oh, it's. It is and it, it's not. So when I saw this in the theater, um, mm-hmm. I was too I was too afraid to go outside. Now, granted, I am terrified of werewolves, but it it really takes. I can't even think of the last film except for this one from two thousand one that I was afraid. I was legitimately scared when I left the theater. That just doesn't happen to me because I'm 
just love horror films. But this one has werewolves depicted in such a way that it gave me nightmares. And now, I, I mean, I love it. I love it so much. It does have camp, but it's not, it's, um, it has some humor, but it's very clever British humor. Okay. So, I like it. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for uh, coming on the show. And um, can you hold on after the line? Uh, I'm going to click off here, but um, I appreciate you coming on and uh, talking to us, Julie. All right. No problem. Thank you, Toby. Thanks, mm-hmm. everyone. All right. Thanks again, Julie, for telling everybody your story. I think we'll be talking to her again soon, maybe, if we can arrange it, go check out some of these places that she spoke about with her. Uh, I'd love to get some firsthand knowledge on some of what she's talking about. We're not that far away from one another, and I know some of the locations in particular she's talking about. And now you do too, so you can check those out. Make it a haunted tour of Seattle, why don't you? Okay, the audio, gosh. What can I say? Uh, That shit kind of happens once in a while. So we'll have to just truck along and learn from that mistake. I mean, it was listenable, but it was uh, a little bit of a rookie mistake on my part. So anyway, marching right along. I wanted to read something to you here. We have a letter that came in to me, and it was written on behalf of episode 39. That was the Alex... Whitcomb interview I did. So if you go back to uh, Alex's interview, episode 39, you can hear Alex's story, but Alex will appreciate this. I got a letter from an anonymous person, and I'm just going to go ahead and read it. I was an army brat, and dad was a lifer in the military. He was an MP with some secret clearances and guarded brass and higher up civilians. All the kids on base knew I had strange things happen. They did as well. I and many others would sleepwalk. For example, I'd be slightly awakened and then I'd walk outside in just my underwear. I'd even feel the gravel and the pain of the gravel as the rocks pushed under my feet, but never awaken. I recall talking to owls and rabbits and even walking with them in familiar neighborhood spots and then knocking on neighbors' doors. The neighbors would then return me back home. Mom would end up locking the door so I couldn't go out. She'd find me at the door, fumbling to get out. She'd ask me where I was trying to go while I stood there, still asleep by the door. I was almost always going to the same spot, down by the bank of the creek behind the house. It happened about five to six times at military base in Virginia two times at the base in Germany. Also, at the Vandenberg base in California, it was also at this base, I recall, walking out front to the steps, talking to large birds. Jays, I think they're called. I wonder if all us military kids were used somehow. One friend of mine told me she talked to stars and they would respond to her with movements. Another friend of mine, 13 years old, said he would sleepwalk unnoticed into off-limit areas on the base. Now, that would never happen on a base. Anyway, he told us what he saw. So this was at Fort Belvere in Virginia. He told us he saw men scurrying around a type of large radar dish and taking readings, moving it, 
and getting tape recordings to take in and out of a large building. At 19 years of age, I end up seeing a cryptid. But when I was 12 or so, I had a friend that told me he saw big rabbits that would talk to him out in the Hollywoods we'd play in. He went there once with him. We went there once and found him talking away at something. We all couldn't see it. We knew it was there because when he asked it to toss leaves, well, it did. And then it touched a kid. We all took off. And that, my friends, is a letter from an anonymous witness, perhaps to Alex, perhaps to all you. And that's pretty interesting details there, especially the uh, talking to rabbits. I don't know if anybody's listened to Timothy Renner's podcast, Strange Familiars. You've heard him on here a couple times, but the bunny man is a thing. So I'll have to send this off to Renner as well. All right. That's our show. Oh, before we go, I always forget these things here towards the end. Um, we are going to be, I am going to be on Midnight in the Desert, and that is coming up this Thursday, the 21st, from 9 to midnight, a three-hour show live. Uh, that is going to be hard to listen to unless you're a member and you want to listen to it in the archives. I don't think you can unless you are a member. So your chance to hear it is going to be coming up 9 to midnight, the 21st, on Dark Matter Digital Network. You can find it on TuneIn Radio or type it into Google. And the show is called Midnight in the Desert. That's Art Bell's old show after he came out of retirement. And if you heard Michelle Freed off of episode 43, then you'll know a little bit about uh, who's producing the show there. So, again, that's the 21st. Also, thank you to the patrons at patreon.com forward slash strangebrowradio. Without you, we can't do the show, and you know how that scene goes. Also, if you would like to be on the show, shoot me an email just like this anonymous person did. You can shoot me an email and I'll read it. Uh, you can get a hold of me at strangebrowradio at gmail.com. And hey, the website is up. The website is definitely up. You can go to strangebrowradio.com. Now, there's archive of previous live guests we've had uh, dating back to 2017 and a little bio on all those. And for our live show, we have a date. It's coming up January 4th, 2020 at Manresa Castle. That is a Saturday night from 7 to 10, a free show. So if you are in the Pacific Northwest or you want to fly out here and stay at a really cool haunted castle and partake in our first 2020 podcast live at Manresa Castle, you can do that. Our guest is going to be Mary Bethune, and she is a local investigator out of Port Townsend, Washington. Comes highly recommended. I had a chance to meet her back in October, and I look forward to uh, telling you more about her as things come up. We're working on some really cool projects here, and um, that uh, will also be mentioned here shortly. Anyway, that's the show. Thanks for listening, and as always, I will see you in the tree.